We're okay. doing it. Got it. Nice. Good to see you, my friend. Been a while. Yeah. How you yeah. doing? I'm good, man. Lots changed. Um, we haven't spoken in a while. Um, well, you know, we, we bullshit back and forth on, you know, on yeah. the Facebook shit and whatnot. But, um, you know, man, I, I, I have no complaints. You know, this whole thing, I've been working this whole time. So there hasn't been a gap in work for me. Daughter's good. Girl is good. You know, life's good, man. I, I, I really, I got no gripes, bro. I, 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 I really don't. Honestly, I really don't. So what's this I've been seeing? You've been saying that soon you're only going to be over at Delta? Mm. Explain oh. that to me. All right. All right. Well, you know what? Perfect segue. I, here we go. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Well, a lot of people know that I do this, you know, the location scouting thing. You know, if people don't realize that by now, because I talk about it pretty frequently on here, um, I do that all the time. I met Danny Boy through mutual friends and this and that. We became friendly. I do those, this whole thing. Um, and I love it. It's a, it's, a, it's a great excuse, no matter what, to get out of the house. And there's so much to it. It's not just literally going to a place to find where something was filmed. But it's the whole thing, like, I, I'll go out of state and I'll wind up eating at some cool diner that I never thought I would ever go to. I'll, yeah. I'll meet people. I'll always find something on the way. It's like this whole mission. And it's fun. You know, it's just a fun, cool thing. And um, so we, uh, about two years ago, I brought up, you know, there was like a whole chat on Facebook between myself and Danny Boy and a few, a few of the other quote unquote founding members of the Delta Bravo Urban Exploration Team. And I was, I was tossing around an idea of doing some sort of a podcast where, you know, we talk about, you know, what it involves, you know, and not necessarily, it, it's nothing is set in stone as far as what we're going to talk about. You know, I'll probably have musicians on eventually, this and that you know, actors and actresses, stuff that's involved with all of this stuff. It's such a broad thing. And um, yeah. so, yeah, man. And, and I know that you're a big movie buff and, and stuff like that. So you probably wind up digging it. And listen, dude, I'll have you on if you want to come because we could talk movies and film all day long. Of course. You know what I mean? So are you um, going to phase out Brooklyn Blast Furnace and, and just have that sort of be a, a chapter that you close and then you just worry about doing the Delta Bravo stuff? Or are you going to? Now, 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 here we go. Strap in, kids. Break it down. Because I was confused when I saw soon, I'll just be over here. I was like, right. Is it? All right. Well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint a little bit of, I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory, which it might sound a little corny, but I don't think it will sound corny to you. Um, this is kind of poetic. Um, knowing, well, you knowing and everybody that listens to this, knowing that I happen to be a huge Bane fan, right? Yeah. Um, most likely my favorite hardcore band, um, just for, for so many reasons. And we can get into that eventually if you want, 
um, okay. for a lot of reasons. Um, so you guys see, this wasn't even planned. It just so happened to happen this way. Um, about a month ago, maybe a little month ago, I was really considering shutting down the Brooklyn Blast Furnace. Um, not that I don't love to do it because I do. Um, I do five, a little over five years, at least an episode a week, over 300 episodes total. Um, I've spoken to people and became friends with people that I never thought I would ever have a conversation with. Um, I mean, everybody from like, I mean, an 11 part Bane series. I still think about that, that that's crazy to me that, that I, I was actually afforded the opportunity to do that. You know, you're a visionary and thank you for wanting to do something that big to take on a task like that. No one's ever wanted to do something like that. With us. It wasn't even a task for me. It wasn't even like a task. It was like right. fun. I was like, I was ramped to go. It wasn't even a job. You know, it was, it was easy. Like, I don't know. That you love, it doesn't feel like work, but you actually really did have to wrangle a lot. You had to really, you did have to do some work. It didn't seem like work because it meant so much to you. Exactly. So it didn't feel like a job or a chore at at any stage. Um, You know, I mean, people like Mike Judge, it's me. I pick up Mike Judge from his house and go have a burger with him at a diner and talk like so many people, all the sick of it all guys. I mean, even having like somebody like my daughter on, you know, like Don't stuff like that. Yeah, man. You know, she's like, Dad, I want to be on your radio show again. All right, so let's go. You know? Yeah. So there's so many people. I mean, actors, Tony Dennison, Jeff Kober, like all these people that I never thought. Um, Ron, cinema guys that you have been on this year, because I follow. I don't listen to all the podcasts. Yeah. But I see who you have on. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. I I wanted, I wanted to take a little bit of a turn just only because I wanted to switch it up for myself from all the bands and the musicians. And I, I'm like, you know what? So I went all this horror route and all the things that I grew up watching and having people from all these slasher movies and silly stuff. And, you know, so it was super enjoyable. Now about a month or so ago, I'm like, you know what? The, the talk about this, the new podcast was coming up and, and I find myself on my computer, on, on the phone a lot. And I, I don't, I want to kind of get away from the phone a little bit. You know what I mean? Just, you know, my personal life and just, just stuff like that. And so you guys, that's why I say this is kind of poetic and it wasn't even planned this way. Um, Bane, as people that listen know, that you guys called it quits on June 18, 2016, for the final time ever, with an asterisk, but that's a different story. Um, and I think I asked every single one of you guys on that entire series um, if you guys would ever do it again. And... Basically, it was like you would love to do it, but the, the send off that you guys got was so perfect. And you pretty much were like, no. And complete respect for that. Um, so um, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, right now, everybody 
is listening to the final episode of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace podcast. Okay. Um, and I thought it wasn't even planned this way. It really wasn't. But I was like, wow, I'm going to have you on. And the history of how you guys were like, it's done. It's a wrap. And how you guys closed up and how you guys never not enjoyed it or never not had a passion for being in the band and the crowds and all that. It's the same with me. I still love doing this. Sure. I'm just not going to be doing this specific podcast anymore. Um, all right. So I thought it was kind of cool and I have the utmost respect for you. Um, your band and just you as a person forget the band aside for a minute just talking with you and you know the film and just just the back and forth and I get where you come from and I, I know you know I, I just I just have a vibe and I, I just I know what kind of a person you are and I have the utmost respect for you um, so I thought that it would be cool I guess that's a word it would be cool to actually have you as the final guest wow. and I was going to ask you, but I am going to pick later on when we wrap up, when we get off of this little topic, um, yeah. I, I will always ask you to pick a song, but if you don't mind, I think it's fitting that I will close out just like you closed out your final record with your final song. I want to close this podcast out the final episode with the song final backward glance because it does there's a knot you know what i mean never been never been much good at saying goodbye you know what i mean it, you know yeah. but it's something that i feel like I, I, I dude i'm not gonna do it and have on anybody just to phone it in just to have an episode you know what yeah. i mean yeah so so yeah, I thought I was going to wind up talking about that towards the end of the episode, but hey, you see, this shit happens, man, guerrilla podcasting. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, man, so... Oh, that's, that's an honor. I mean, I don't really know what to say. The pressure's on now, but that's... Ah, honor. There's never any pressure, dude. There's never pressure. And it's okay. not like you're done podcasting. You'll move over to there. You'll be able to continue to sort of write your own ticket, do shit the way you want to do it. So that's that. And you just, this yeah. chapter gets shut. That's cool. Yeah, I'm not stopping. It's it's cool. It's it's kind of different. Um, I'll have Danny Boy behind the scenes a little bit from House of Pain, and you know, and yeah. you know he, he'll be on, but he's it's pretty much going to be me with all these other guests and you know stuff like that. it's going to be called Mission Statements because that's what it's a whole Danny Boy DB Delta Bravo. We go out on missions and look for you know we explore shit so. It's a podcast, so we talk so mission statements, a Delta Bravo podcast. And um, yeah, it'll be something cool, it'll be something different. I'll wind up going out and filming stuff and incorporating it with videos with YouTube aspect. It'll be a little bit different. It'll also be obviously audio and available everywhere, but it'll be sure. something cool and different and fun. And why not, man? Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm honored to have been able to be a part of all this, man. Seriously. Three you interviews. Yeah, man, you're, you're, the, you're the third. You're, this is the third time you're on on this. Um, yeah. And you and listen, 
You have an open door, dude. Just because it's not the Brooklyn Blast Furnace, you could absolutely come on to an episode and we'll shoot the shit about film and movies. That's what it's going to be more about. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I know that you're very well seen and you like a lot of stuff that I'm really not too familiar with, which I find super interesting. Cool. Yeah. Well, enough of all of that. And we'll, we'll touch on that right before we close. How the hell you been, man? Okay. I'm doing yeah. all right. Yeah, keep good. busy. Things are good here. Good. Things are good. Things are coming back to normal a little bit. Things are feeling the way they used to, and that's good. Yeah, that's man. Good. Busy, getting to do a little bit of traveling. Things are good. Nice. Yeah, yeah. You said you would do a merch for some for something going on, and yeah, LCD Sound System was here. We got a new venue that just opened up. Big venue. I think it's thirty five hundred. And uh, really, yeah, big big room just opened a couple weeks ago took a bunch of the people from various other venues around the city who've been doing things for years. And they took them over to there, this new spot called Roadrunner. And yeah, they, they just did four nights with LCD sound system. And I got to do merch for a couple of those nights, which was nice. I'd never really done merch like on that capacity before. Yeah, Friends sort of in that, in the local scene, you know, like career merch guys have kind of taken me under their wing and I may have a little gig, which is, which would be good because. Yeah. Casino where I was playing poker, the COVID fucked out all that up. I don't think I'm going to be able to go back to doing that for a while at the local spot. And I, I need a gig, you know, I need something. So yeah, dude, yeah. 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 Well, I, well, speaking of gigs, I mean, I I did re, I reached out to you several months back, um, yeah. and understandably, the timing just wasn't really right. Um, yeah. 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 So what I, what I will also do, I will, I'll put it out there. I will dedicate this episode to Stu. Um, because since we spoke last, he passed. Um, I knew it's, it's super touchy and I gave everybody their space, which I completely understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm actually honored and I feel fortunate that I was able to have the conversation that I did with him. Um, If anyone's listening, he is episode 174. So if you want to go back and listen, that's a a really awesome conversation that I had with him. Um, And then have that, that you went so deep with him because we're going to be able to go back to that the rest of our lives and see him smiling and healthy in the way that we want to remember him that you captured that is going to be more special than you probably realized yeah you were doing this is yeah i had had no idea i was just i knew he was sick and we spoke and we we traded what was it it was like we called it something we were laughing about and we called it like uh the ailment episode because he was talking about him being sick i was talking about me being in the hospital we were actually laughing and making light of a super heavy situation. Right. And uh, it was, it was really cool. And just, just as an aside note, just because I'm shutting down the blast furnace thing, that doesn't, all the episodes will still be there. I'm not, sh- you know, they are cool. yeah, yeah. The, the, all the episodes will remain all on the, on all the streaming platforms. The videos will be on YouTube. Like none of that's going anywhere. There's just mm-hmm. not going to be any more episodes. I'm just, I'm just basically killing it off, but everything will still be there just all to, right. Just to let everyone know. 
Um, Let me say to you that, yeah, over the summer, I wasn't quite ready. There was just, there was still a lot of emotions that I was processing. I wasn't ready to get in the weeds. And to to have agreed to do this interview with you, I was prepared that we were probably going to have to talk about Stu, talk about the whole thing. And I'm, I'm ready to do that. There isn't anything that is like too sensitive to get into. I actually saw Lee, his wife last week and said, Hey, I think I'm going to go back on the Brooklyn blast. (laughs) The Brooklyn blast furnace (laughs) podcast. And we're probably going to talk about Stu. I just want to make sure that doesn't make you uncomfortable in any way. She said, it's fine. So we can get into any of that. I'm in a, you know, obviously just, you know, time heals wounds, you know, we're several months away from it now. And, yeah, I'm I'm able to have some perspective to be able to sort of look at it a little bit yeah. more broadly than I was able to over the summer where it was still pretty raw. Was, of, you know, of course. That's why I was like, cool, like uh, take all the time you need, dude, because I I, I understand loss big time. Yeah. And and I understand that you might not have the right mindset to be talking about things, especially something ever, soon after something that devastating winds up happening. And so sudden. Yeah. That was a tough summer for sure. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. With everything else on top of everything. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure it was insane. Um, so, I mean, how, I mean, I, I can't even say how was that, but I mean, I'm under the impression, I don't know for sure. So please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, there were people there when he passed. Yes, a, a, a lot of people. Okay. Very so this was known that he was about to pass. Yeah, man. It happened really fucking fast how yeah. quickly he went from feeling like, man, Stu still got all of his hair and he still had a lot of weight on him and he just looked healthy, man. I mean, there was yeah. it was hard for me to wrap my head around that this guy's really, really sick because he didn't look sick. And, you know, I my mother, she went through cancer. I saw what chemotherapy does to someone a little bit of an optical illusion here because COVID swept in and I wasn't seeing Stu nearly as, as often as I was seeing him pre COVID where I was going in, hang, being able to hang out with him through his earliest chemotherapy treatments. And there were a lot of just like, you know, gatherings, you know, we found reasons to get together. We went to the movies, we went to get food. So I was seeing him not, maybe not weekly, but several times in short stints and then COVID comes in and suddenly there'll be months going by where I'm not, I just can't see him. Even his own wife was not allowed to go into the hospital any longer. Oh. He was getting his chemo treatments. Jeez. So while to me, it seemed like, fuck, he took a turn really, really fast. The truth is, is he fought hard for nearly two years. I just didn't get to be around him much for that. Yeah. The last chunk of it because, because of the coronavirus. Yeah. So the end came very, very fast where suddenly he looked sick and it felt like, wow, the, you know, the whole thing with chemo, I'm sure you've heard the saying that the, the treatment is worth worse than the disease in some yes. cases, what chemotherapy, intense chemotherapy does to the human body is just fucking brutal. So it ravages the whole body. It's brutal. It's just heartbreaking yeah. to see how quickly it happened. And for me to have to get my head back down to reality that no, he is very sick and you need to prepare yourself. And then, yeah. And then we all got the call. Again, he called us personally the same way he did to spread the news that he had gotten sick. He called us personally to tell us that they're taking 
I'm going to stop the treatments. I'm going to stop the treatments. It's about quality of life now. It's about doing the things that I can do while I still have time. So that was tough. That was tough. And yeah, that was the reality that like suddenly a list was made. We got to do some of the things on that list for sure that I will cherish forever. And very, very quickly, he went from very sick to like, it felt like he had weeks left. And then, yeah, I got a call from Zach one morning and he told me that we're rushing out there. We, you know, it seems like he may not make it through the day. And then Uh, I drove an hour out of his way. I don't have a car. I don't have a driver's license. Zach drove an hour out of his way to come here and scoop me up and make sure that I was there for this, which is something I will be thankful to him for, for the rest of my life to make sure that, and we were all there. People came from all over, you know, the whole inner circle, you know, beyond the Bane guys, Stu was, had his fingers in a lot of different pots. He had a lot of different friends that went beyond our world. Sure. He was really, you know, he was deep into roadieing and being out there guitar teching for the drop kicks and the boss tones. And he made deep connections in that world. And then all of the venue stuff he did here as a production manager. So we had a lot, a lot of friends. And that day outside of the hospital was, uh, yeah, it was intense just to see the, the amount of people that showed up. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just, you know, we all got to go in and see him and say our goodbyes. And he wasn't exactly coherent when I was there. He was very, very drugged. But I got to see him and spend a last few moments with him. And then we just sort of went outside and people kind of took turns and the kids and the family members, you know, they got to go in several times. And as, yeah, you know, the night came, the sun went down and uh, then, yeah, the news just kind of traveled through us all that he was gone. But we knew, we knew that day was going was going to be it oh my god but that's something yeah that that's something like you said like something is I'm not even going to say is small because it has a lot of meaning to it but zach coming out of his way to make sure to get you i'm sh- i'm sure that zach didn't mind at all like that's that's one thing another reason why i love all you guys as a band as well it's it just seems like you guys are so like I see pictures of you at barbecues after the band breaks up. You didn't go all your separate ways completely. You know, you still get together and you still hang out. And and there's like, who I was I was talking to somebody the other day. I don't know who I was. I don't remember. But I, I said so. I was like, it's not just the band. Like sonically, it's yes, your your lyrics and but everything just seems it's so it's so genuine. And like the bond that seems like you guys have and and all the conversations I have with uh, 10 of you guys, plus the documentary guys, which is 11. It's like that. That's all that I've got from everybody is like, there's a ridiculous brotherhood and it's pure and there's no bullshit. And I think that's what makes that respect on my, for, for me, like go even that much more, you know, like that's why I appreciate it more. Yeah, it's, it's super rare, dude. And thank you for that. Aaron Dahlbeck jumped in his car that morning and sped up here from Delaware. Like, just got in the car and drove all the way up here from Delaware. It's just, yeah, yeah I mean, we're all very, very close. It's just certainly one of the fortunate things about Bain is that a rift never came in. We're like that we couldn't work out on the side and we just stayed close. And we really, 
you know, 20 years, we became a family. What, you know, yeah. I, I can't see it any other way as all of them being my brothers and sisters, you know, right. it's, just, it's the way it, it's the way it was. Yeah, man. So, yeah. So we lost one and that was tough. And the next day was the start of something else where like the outpouring of people reaching out to say their condolences was so overwhelming. Yeah, I saw saw a lot of it. Just the social media aspect, I Mm -hmm. saw it everywhere. Never mind the personal stuff. I try not to spend too much time in those spaces, you know, a little bit a day, but I really try to keep that to a minimum. But that day I needed it. You know, I didn't go out, but right there on my phone at all times were just people who either I knew very, very well or I had never met reaching out. And I felt very sort of, protected or cradled in that day where at the end of the day it was almost overwhelming how much love and support i felt yeah and um, that was nice you know that was fucking really really needed i don't know if, if i make it through that day as smoothly as i did yeah that without. shit helps man that shit helps <laughs> really really helped it really did yeah and sort of other you know beautiful things came of it. It was, you know, we had to deal with the aftermath of this. There was nothing we could do. We couldn't bring him back, but we had to go on and we found ways to do that. And, you know, the first was the show was the, you know, as part of Stu's bucket list was he wanted a show of his, he wanted to see his favorite bands and he didn't get to see that show, but we decided that that show should still happen. Because that, that show was booked and ready to go. And he was supposed to be there, wasn't he? supposed to play ideally we were hoping he was going to have the strength to pick up the bass and play superhero which is a bass driven song but we we, you know in our wildest hopes we were thinking he may be able to do that get up there i mean the place would lose its fucking mind if he did and yeah he just he he didn't make it by about a week we didn't know what to do. You know, there was a conversation outside the hospital because nobody knew that Bain was going to be playing. We hadn't told anybody. And, you know, we didn't want it to be about us at all. It turned out that Stu requested that we play this show and that he was afraid to ask us to do it because he knew it would put us in a strange situation. Yeah, yeah. He told his wife, his wife, very close to Zach, said to Zach, just so you know, Bane was on that bucket list of bands. And then I believe the story is then Zach called Stu and said, you want us to play? Stu said, yeah, you're one of my favorite bands. You make me happier than anything. And then that was it. I mean, as soon as there's no more conversation about do we play, Stu wants us to play, we're going to play. And we just decided that uh, it didn't need to be made public in any way wow. you know we were doing it for the fanfare for the reunion and we also didn't want to sort of overwhelm the show in a way that you know just like hardcore kids could have been coming from all over the place oh. and we just figured why don't we just keep it on the extreme dl yeah. and um, just do it yeah i yeah, outside the hospital there was a conversation well we we can back off right now nobody right. knows we're planning to do it all right we'd already had a practice and then I think we were all, you know, excited and we decided that yeah, we'll fucking do it. We'll do I kick, I kick myself in the ass for not being there, dude. No, I, now, 
I kick myself in the ass. I I go onto Facebook and I see I get a notification <laughs> from Lou Kohler. Yeah. That Lou Kohler is live. On, and he never goes live on Facebook ever. So I'm like, I go. And, and there you guys are live playing. I was like, my my chin hit my desk. I'm like, and I was stuck there. I'm like, I I, I didn't know what to do. I was so excited, but I was so mad and upset that I'm not there. But I was like, this is a beautiful thing. And oh my God. Yeah, man. Crazy. That day, like before uh, we went on, I I let myself tell a couple people that were like in the venue. Like one kid pulled me aside and he's like, you guys are, are playing tonight, right? Don't tell me you're not fucking playing. And I was just like, yeah, we're going to do a few songs. And to see the look on his face was so priceless. Yeah, and man. And then there was another kid. He was like old Worcester friend who I've known for years. He was a little drunk. He says, "Um, come on, you guys got to get up there and play a song or two. You're all here, right? And I hugged him and I said, we're going to do like eight songs. And he instantly started crying. Instantly started bawling. And he pulls me off of it. He looks me dead in the eye and he goes, I'm going to die tonight. I'm going to fucking die tonight. It was so awesome. That's so I got so to have a few moments of like seeing kids psyched at the news, but mostly it was like nobody fucking knew. We just didn't, we did not let the cat out of the bag. And that's weird too. That, that's strange for us because we would rather have the room just filled with kids who loved our band and there was a handful of them and you know there's some crossover with sick of it all and bouncing souls fans sure sure but it was a strange day it was a strange day the vibe was strange in that it was on a high stage there was a very very big barricade yes and just the emotions involved you know i knew i knew leading up to it it's going to be tough you know this is going to be a tough ask to play you know i've been i've been daydreaming about the Bane playing together again since the day after our last show. I'm haunted yeah. by reoccurring dreams. We're always about to play in my dreams. You know, like, do you still have dreams like that all the time? If you, you, it's all the time I have recurring dreams that Bane is about to go on. And the the weird thing about these dreams is we never get to do it. I never get to like pick up the mic and hear the feedback. It's always the anticipation of. We're all here, what you know, and you know, it's all weird fucking dreams. Yeah. Scenarios, but I have them often. So anyway, so here I am wow. finally getting to do the thing, but with this added layer of great sadness and emotion. And like, I don't know if you saw, but we put his bass on the stage and we hit it with spotlight. And then before we went on, we played him from the documentary talking about what it meant to be in Bane. And then fucking Zach <laughs> pulls us for a powwow right before we're about to hit the stage. And he's just so good at, you know, expressing how important this moment is and how much he loves us. And we may never have this again. And I just fell apart. I just could not physically hold it. So I was bawling 10 seconds before walking up those steps to get on stage. Really? Very strange day for me. Real, the whole set was a blur. I don't remember anything about it. I don't remember what I said. I, I just was like, 
weighed down heavy with way fucking too many emotions. You know, was wow, crazy. you were just holding it together, trying not to fucking fall apart. Barely. Yeah, barely. And, you know, wasn't it, you know, it's just like a tough thing. It's a fucking impossible to appreciate this one thing, you know, the return of being able to play these songs with these guys while also just feeling incredibly sad and just like heartbroken. I mean, my heart was fucking broken in half that week. Oh, fuck yeah, yeah, man. Absolutely, dude. It's tough. I'm not able to compartmentalize some of those emotions as well as some other people are. It just was right. all just kind of like overwhelming. Yeah, well, there's a lot of shit going on at one time. There's a lot of shit happening at one time, and, and all of it is really heavy, powerful shit, man. So it's all just, how, how do you deal? You just fucking hold on, you white knuckle it until you fucking. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, you were white knuckling. That's why you don't remember nothing about it. Fuck. Exactly, exactly what it was. And then, you know, they're. Our friends were all around us, you know, all the people, you know, all of the real inner, inner circle were there, of course. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was just a wild day, just a fucking blur of a strange, strange how did day. You, how did you put the set list together? Was there a specific? Yeah, Stu wrote it, right? Stu wrote the set list. And I think we stuck to that completely. Right. Like there were like no Annie up, no count me out. If we had eight songs, we, you know, because it, it was going to be like, if Stu's going to be here, we want to keep this moving. We don't want him to be here eight hours. We want him to come in. So everyone's going to try to keep their set short. We want to do adhere to that. So we just told him, whatever you want, we'll play. And I remember getting the set list, like when Zach texted around, it was just like loaded with very heavy, sad, like final backward glance, uh, calling at her. I was like, oh man, this is going to be... This is going to be fucking brutal, even more brutal. It was like, but yeah, I think I remember like kids screaming from the crowd, fuck what you heard, whatever. And me being like, Stu wrote this set list. This is the set. We are I would have been the asshole screaming, Ollie Frazier, Ollie Frazier. <laughs> yeah. So it was easy. I didn't have to write it. We didn't have to have a discussion. Stu wrote it. We had it. And that was that. Yeah. And, and the, best was, the best was we got to have two practices. That was the, you know, my favorite part of Bane sort of, well, I guess my second favorite part of Bane getting back together to do this were the practices were like the first practice we had while Stu was still alive. What was the first song you practiced? I think it was Speechless. Okay. Pretty sure we did speechless and some came running in the beginning, but we did it in this little rehearsal space. And uh, we, we had a couple friends there. We let a couple friends come in, like when our buddy, big Bob took a bunch of photos and it just, that felt fucking wild to be like hearing and screaming those songs. Yeah, man. I can imagine. That was cool. And then the night before the gig, we did it again at another spot here in Boston. And, uh, that night we sounded like kind of tight and like my voice was kind of kicked in. It wasn't quite as sloppy or as like frantic. Yeah. I think the first, the first time we played two songs and I think we had to stop because we were all crying. Like we did the two songs and we had to just like stop and hug each other and gather our emotions. And I was fucking screaming as hard as I could. I was like, calm down. You don't have to scream that hard. You're going to kill your voice. The second practice, it felt like, fuck man. We, wow. still got it. we still got it. Fuck yeah, you still got it, man. Cherished. I cherished those practices where the, you know, it wasn't all of these high expectations. We just planned for us. 
Yeah. Playing songs that we fucking played for 20 years and that we still love to play together. That was special. Yeah. My favorite part of the whole thing is that after Stu passed, when we made the album with Stu shirts, shirts to, to benefit his family, we decided to, to handle all the shipping ourselves, to just like do it all in-house. So all of the money would go to the family, no sort of middleman merch company. It was a lot of work and it turned out to be a bit of a clusterfuck in the end, but it gave us a reason to continue to be together over and over throughout the summer where it felt like I'm yeah. still in vain. Maybe I'm not getting on stage, but just the feeling of like goofing off, going to get food after, just yeah. like there was this ready-made reason for us to continue to be together as a unit. And yeah, I really realized that that's what I loved the most. The playing was great. All the kids, all the love and support. But what I really fucking loved was like when we were together, you know, when yeah. it was us together, just goofing off, listening to baseball games, packing up t-shirts, just the best. That was my favorite thing about yeah. the whole strange Bane being kind of resurfacing last summer. Yeah. Wow, man. Around those guys all the time. Yeah, it was just, it felt a little like, wow, we're back together. Look at this. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that must have been an awesome feeling. Yeah, it was cool. To revisit that, man. It was nice. Unfortunately, it was on the, you know, unfortunate and sad, you know, situation, but. Of course. You know, but. I would trade all that, all those memories for one day back with Stu. Of course. course. All the way if I could have Stu back, but we can't, the reality is right. the reality. Right. And we were forced to sort of deal with that how we needed to. And I think the way that we dealt with it was, was pretty yeah. beautiful. Yeah. hundred percent. And then there's a further, like there's another whole other gift that comes in that the other sort of friend groups of Stu's life, the other people, you know, the Boston's dropkicks crew, and the local sort of venue type people who are running bigger venues than Bain would normally play. You know, Stu was the production manager for manager for pretty large venues here. So the people that he knew, we didn't know. These weren't kids that were like around at our shows. These are people that are doing things on a little bit of a bigger level than what we normally would deal with. Right. And for me, I always kind of looked at them as like, I don't want to say the enemy, but they were like, they were the them. They were the behind the scenes. Oh, yeah, those guys. That are telling me, oh, you can't go back there, or we got to take a cut of your merch. You know, like real, like music industry people. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like the enemy, but I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was very steep in that world. And through his sickness, that world combined with ours, and we just became one big support system. And after Stu's passing, we've remained very, very close friends. You know, like, I've made friends because of Stu sickness that I would not have made otherwise, who we still continue to get together with. Yeah. With I actually made, I mean, my closest friend that I have right now is a guy named Sal who I met through that, you know, I would have yeah. never had the opportunity to meet him. Our worlds while sort of close, he's a punk kid, but like not really a hardcore kid. And, um, the only way our roads were going to intersect was sort of through this terrible tragedy. Yeah. And now we hang all the fucking time. And sometimes we'll stop and marvel at like how funny Stu would think it is that we've become such. such yeah. Close, you know? Yeah. And, that, and that's an awesome thing to sit back and think about. And, 
Yeah, that's like a beautiful thing, man. Yeah, he brought a lot of people together and he was just very, very well loved by a lot of different circles. And uh, yeah, they all came together. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Do you, so do, do you still, do you have the itch to, to, to play? I'm not saying Bane, I'm not saying that, but you know, to. 100%, 100%. I mean, I saw Dahlback last week and we were. Are you doing him. anything? Come on, man. Spill the beans. Right now, I don't have anything, but he was like, I still miss it. I still think about it all the time. And I, I was just like, I think about it every day. You know, last time you and I talked, it was confusing because we had made a promise that we were never going to do this again. Right. And right. so when you said, do you think you're ever going to do it? Part of the complication was like, I don't like to go back on my word. I made very specific statements yes. on stage about yes. this is it. Yeah. And then the universe threw us this fucking crazy curveball, and we Some, broke that rule. Somebody, I don't think it was you. I don't remember who. Obviously, it was one of the guys. It might have been Dollback. Could have been. On one of the episodes, the only thing that was ever said about ever playing would be something for a some sort of a benefit or something like that that has nothing to do with the band, but for something for a greater good of something else. Somebody had said that, but that was it. And there was there was nothing else said about ever playing again, except for something that's bigger than the band, period. I certainly always felt that that if something like this, if we could come together and by doing that, could raise a bunch of money or could help somebody who right. help. of course we would do it so now we do the show so now the show is is behind us the whole idea of bane will never be back that's gone now I, I no longer have that sort of like that struggle inside of me to go back on my word we we went back on our word and i feel now like i'm ready to play any fucking time they want to play. Like, I don't fucking care. Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, it's been since 2006. Let's put the asterisk because it was it was like a secret set that you did at the Stu Benefit. Yeah. Even though you played it, there's an asterisk next to that. Okay. It wasn't for the band. Okay. So we're talking June of 2016. We're talking six years ago, almost six years. You guys at this point can get a fucking pass and get your asses out there and fucking play a gig. I'll be there. There used to be a time where I was very, very worried about like having gone back on that word. That has, that has faded. Yeah. I mean, that's not the issue. I, I literally, after this two thing, as the summer went on, I was like, we should go to fucking Philly, New York and Boston and play little 300 fucking person. Band oh band God. Band I'll be so yeah, you should. I like that idea. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to fuck go. But you know, it's, it's, I'm I'm just one guy. A lot of different things going on with a lot of different people. I know. And, uh, well, no yeah, one's no one's saying you got to put out new music. No one says you have to go on world tours. A yeah. couple of shows here and there, a little two, three dates, four dates, maybe five at the most. You pack it in for a few months. Yeah. Spare time, sporadic gigs. Nice. Just be in the van for a weekend with your friends. Go to that's it. Wild and eat a bunch of food. Go to a movie and play a few hardcore shows. It just seems fucking perfect. Goddamn right. I'll do merch for free, but not during your set. I'll be busy. I'll, I'll be busy like stealing Zach's microphone and shit, like I always used to do. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. You know, it, that was unexpected. I never would have predicted that would have happened. And I, now I'm just sort of like going through it as like, who knows? We'll see. I'm open to it. It's been 
made clear that I'm very, very open to it. And yeah. uh, some of the other guys have also made that idea clear. And we'll just, we'll see what happens. I won't ask you to say any names, but it's yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not no, of course, no, of course not. But, but you just said that a few other guys are, are open to go and start fucking playing. Yeah. Yo, first one second, I swear to God. It's a bony, man. We never stopped talking about how can we find a loophole? You know, like we never, the whole way through, we just love being on the road and love just, we just love the life so much that we never were quite able to unplug from it so completely where we were always scheming and trying to like. Trying to find a loophole. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm sure, I'm sure that. Besides you guys being in a van together again and smelling each other's fucking feet and all that and uh, being happy in that sense, you'd make a lot of other people happy by doing that, man. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Um, Brian McKiernan, he's the singer in Be Well. He's sure. the singer in that band, Battery. He's the guy who recorded a bunch of the Bane stuff. I had an awesome conversation with him on here. A while back. Good, good. Okay, cool. Yeah. He he and I had a good talk, like, the last show before COVID. It would have been either, I guess it was very early March of that year. He, uh, he told me, like, who cares about the haters? You know how many people you're going to... Oh, fuck the haters, man. Yeah. At this point in your life, it's like, I don't care what someone else... What does that guy have to do with my, whatever? I had, a very rigid, I had a very rigid way of thinking about it for a long time where it's just like, we gave our word. I'm a man of my word. And that's going to be tough for me to turn back on. Right. And then, I don't know. He kind of rattled that a little bit. And then the pandemic happened. That obviously threw all of your priorities and all of your preconceived notions of how you should be living your life upside down. And then Stu got robbed from us and you realized Life is fucking short. Yeah, dude. Taken from you in the blink of an eye. And why should you be stapled to some statement that you made that maybe you have new information on now? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. New shit has come to light. And I've realized how much I loved playing those shows, being around those guys, and how much I don't like not having that as an outlet for my aggression, for all the fucking crazy demons in my head. I had a ready-made way to, ha- to be able to work, work that shit out. And I was able to do it with a group of people who I really loved and respected. Like, ah, maybe what Brian said was right. You know, maybe you don't have to worry about having made this statement. Maybe you can just say, you know what? I was wrong. I thought I knew how I wanted the rest of my life to play out. And I was fucking wrong. Yeah. And that's okay. I think we're all allowed that pass every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so Brian Brian was early on being like, you don't understand how many, for every kid that's going to roll their eyes and be like, I knew they were going to do it. I always knew they were going to come back. There's going to be 100 kids that are just going to be so happy. And like, yeah. And you, more. I, would, I would think that if you guys said all that and you had your final shows and all that stuff, and then six months later, you're like, all right, we're back. Then people would be like, it was all bullshit. Dude, six years. Yeah. have gone by. So it's, so it's, it's like, I get it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like I just said, if it was a couple of months later and you're like, Oh, we're back. Then people would be like, all right, they're full of shit. They were full of shit the whole time. We've been lied to whatever. We knew it. It's been six years. 
So a lot, like you said, a lot happened. It's like, that's like being held to something that I said when I was 15 years old. It's like, that's, that's, that's not the current situation. Like that's whatever makes right. right. So I think, and I'm also convincing myself to be completely on your team with this, that I think it's absolutely, you get the green light to go out and fucking play again. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it now it took me a long time to get there, but yeah, you know, doing what we did this summer and just yeah. sort of like, yeah. And having the whole summer to be around them as often as I was really made me feel like, fuck man, this is the best thing. This is my favorite thing in the world. These are my yes. favorite guys in the world. So. Yeah. And just, just, just you know, the big guys are going to watch this and they're going to think I sabotaged this. To like, <laughs> I promise you guys, that's not the case. This was not the way I was thinking this was going to go. Right. I don't, think, I don't think it's any surprise to them. I, like I said, I made it clear, like, yo, I'm ready to go to fucking Philly, New York, Boston, and just fucking have a weekend of it. Oh, so good. Be so but I did not intend to come on your podcast to make this plea that. Bam. No, of course not. Of course not. We're just having a conversation. But as you were saying before, like how you, how, the way your face lit up and the way you were talking about it and just your energy when you were saying that first practice when you were going crazy and your voice was like that right there, that's, it's genuine, dude. Like you, you, you could never shake it. You know what I mean? You could never. Yeah. You have it was, that. It was so nice, man. It was so fucking nice to be in that room with those guys again. It was just, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I, I'm glad that we had those two, those two practices because they 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 feel very different in my mind than the actual show, which was which was actually kind of difficult for me. To oh, I'm, I'm, yeah. I could. I could. I could only imagine. I. I, I <laughs> insane. <sighs> but yeah, honestly, you know. It, it's sort of amazing how much good came of it after Stu's passing, as far as like the friendships that we've made and we raised a ton of money for the family with the, I'm with Stu's so, t-shirts. We were able to yeah. So many, so many people bought shirts. Of course. Yeah. All that, any, anything that cause, cause Zach had put up or somebody had put up the website for all the remaining Bane merch from the final show and stuff like I don't know. I, I bought, you can, I don't know if you could see it, but that right there. I wrote you a note. You, you did, yes, with the hoodie and all that. You're like, yeah, I packed it up myself. Sorry about the clusterfuck. I'm like, I, dude, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't in a rush. I was whatever. But this right here, that's the the, the, the silk screen. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, you can't see it here, but I got it because I didn't get it at the final show. I wanted one, but I'm like, I can't get this poster at the final show. It's going to get destroyed. So Ooh. then I got, you can't see it here, but I have it in a frame. It's right above my thing. It's the, it's the every single Bane lyric poster. Yeah. 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 And, and Zach was like, Oh, we have a ton of those. I'm like, that's something that I kicked myself for that I needed to get. And I left the show at the final show. I completely forgot about it because I was just drenched and just mentally sure. insane. So I'm like, whatever. Out of the show. Oh my god, oh, dude, dude! I'm glad you got one. That's good. I'm glad. Yeah, you got I got that. You know, I got, I got whatever I could. I got put pins and the hoodie and yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah, you. dude. Uh, yeah, and then yeah, I, yeah. I I was like, I wish I could have did more. Like I don't know. I just I don't know. But yeah, a uh, lot of people said that it meant the world to us. A lot of people said they wish that they could have done more. Everything you did meant everything. Honestly, yeah. you didn't need to do any more. Yeah. It was very overwhelming having put that. 
put that old merch up and to get the response that it did. Yeah. And yeah. It was yeah. crazy. Packing yeah. it all up ourselves was crazy. I'm sure. There were a lot of sort of weird like manufacturing issues and the hoodies kept getting fucked up and people uh-huh. were so suddenly it's like months later, they don't have their shit yet. We don't have the hoodies to send to them. Whatever. It was crazy, but in the end we did it and it, yeah, and we and, and we did it ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I looked at it like that's why like I wasn't in a rush. I knew I wasn't sweating the actual merch itself. Yes. <laughs> Bay merch is cool. Yes, I have a whole bunch, but it was more like, all right, I'm gonna get it. It benefits Stu and his family. That's cool. why I'm buying it. And I'm just kind of getting something in return. That's like that's how I kind of looked at it. It's a small percentage, you know, anytime you get a hundred people, there's going to be one or two bozos that just don't get it. That don't understand that are going to write an email being like, where's my shit? You're stealing my money. Doesn't uh, mean, you, know, you can't, it's just the way it is. You get enough people in the room. There's going to be a couple people that just don't quite understand how every time there's always that one and that's guy. stuff that cuts through your heart. And then it starts to like, you start to feel like, fuck man, we're bumming kids out. We're not bumming kids out. There's no. a couple of people that are like, not very well raised. They're not patient, you know. Right. Or they just don't know how you guys operate or what you guys are really about. Like, exactly. I don't know. And like, and and they have every right to not be all over the internet and to not understand all of the stuff behind the scenes. For them, it could have been a simple transaction. I'm gonna buy this hoodie. I fuck with this band. Right. And then three months go by and you're like, wait a minute, where's my hoodie? Right. They don't understand. We're out there in a yard packing them up and we're literally going through the hoodies to make sure that the quality of them looks good. And if the stitching is off. We throw it aside to return to the guy who fucking stitched the hoodies up and he's got to do them again. And that means another month or two, we got to wait. Not everybody is going to be cued into that, you know? So I get it. I got it. Yeah. But towards the end, it was like, fuck, we got to get these out, man. We got yeah. <laughs> to get these out to the people. Cause I don't, you know, I don't want to be shitty. They paid a lot of money for their stuff. In the end, we got the last 10 people. We had 10 orders, 10 orders left of the big size hoodies that we had to wait for them to come in. One of them was mine. What, one of the last 10? Maybe. Was it a double X or a triple X? It is double X. Did it come with, well, the last 10, I made sure I put a little memento in, like a little Bane thing in with every one of them orders. I don't know if it was one of yours, but. It might've been. Might've been something <laughs> in there. <laughs> well, I gave a random kid a original Bane lyric. Like I like I have a little pile of lyrics and I put in I never heard from him. I don't know who the fuck got it. Really? Oh my god. What's that one kid not even understand what he has or appreciate it? Because he was the one that was like, yeah, a cool honey. Sometimes I think of him just thinking it's a receipt and just crumpling. Ah, uh, <laughs> see that shit would be in a fucking frame on my wall. I know, I know. I have a few. I have a few Bane sets. I have a few Bane sets. No, this isn't a set list. This is the original lyrics. This is like I don't remember what one I shared with him, but I. Have you don't know. Song. You don't remember what song? I can't remember because I've been giving away a bunch this year. I, I like found a, a pile of them and decided Damn. I'm just going to give these people. So that's then, fucking cool shit. And we were coming up with, yeah, we had ten orders left, and I just was like, it was like, well, it might have been December. Yo, <laughs> like December was when it was finally all done. And me and Sal, who sort of like helped us 
ship all the shit out. He was here and I have a little shoebox of like Bane mementos. And I went through and just like picked out 10 things to put in each one of those orders. And I haven't heard from a single kid. Not one of those kids was like, yo, thank you for the fanzine or the flyer or whatever. I don't remember all what I put in there. Oh, so then so I might not have been one of those last 10 because if I would have got a fucking lyric or something, I would have been like, dude, why did you send me this? That's insane. Like you didn't have to do that. Like an apology, I felt bad, and I felt just so glad that it was finally done. So yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god, dude. Fuck. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Somebody. Somebody. Right before. Right before. I don't remember who it was, but it was literally like six inches away from me getting um, the final. This is hardcore set list that you guys played. I went for it, and someone just jacked it. I'm like. Fuck, man! Pissed. <laughs> yeah, man. Fuck. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you seem like you're in, in like really good spirits, and you're able to talk about this stuff because I know it was super hard. That's why I left you alone. I, I understand the grieving process. Trust me, I've, I know all about it. So, yeah. like, I know yeah. all about it, dude. So. Yeah, I was like, we'll do though. It is pretty amazing that you feel like I'm never not going to feel this sad again. Like I'm going to feel this sad forever. And time does what time does. It's pretty amazing. You know, I mean, think of them every day. I miss them. I'm I'm sad, but it's not like it was. No. And I think that, I don't know, human beings are incredibly resilient and sort of unbelievable yeah. in that way that you can yeah. take it yeah. hard and you can find a way to continue to move on. A hundred percent. Oh, yeah, there's been there's a couple of times in my life where, like, I think I was literally in shock, like, once in my life. And that was when my mother died. Because that was just so sudden and out of nowhere and tragically, like, like what the fuck? And for, like, two you? weeks, dude. For, like, How two weeks. How old was I? This was 10 years ago. Wow. This was August of 2011. Almost yeah, August will be... 11 years but i was for i was 36 and i was like for like two weeks dude i was just numb i just I, my, my my body was bringing me places but my mind wasn't it was like lights on but no one's home type shit it's a really really accurate way to, to put it i was yeah it was just i was on autopilot in some weird strange place in my head yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but and then like afterwards, I was like, I, I was like, I was legitimately in shock, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I understand. The first big loss of my life too. My mother was the first big loss that I suffered. I was younger. I was twenty-one, but when I look back on it, I think that having to have to go through that first meant that nothing else would ever be that hard again. Right. They literally hit me with the hardest thing yeah. there is. Yeah. Right. Jump. And I've lost a lot of friends throughout the years. Lost my father, lost Stu, lost other people that were very, very close to me. Sure. But I had been sort of like prepared for that at 20. Yeah. You were tempered. Yeah. You, you, you were prepared. Yeah. Me too. It's like, there's nothing. I mean, God forbid, I mean, I have a child, but God forbid. But as far as, you know, I mean, my mother and the, and, and that whole situation was, was rough and, yeah. I, you know, just like you, I think about her every day. I go to the cemetery pretty often and, and, and I miss her every day. And, you know, sometimes even still to this day, man, like Thanksgiving used to be my favorite holiday only because of the family aspect and my, 
the smell of my mother's cooking and stuff like that. And just stuff like that. Small little things that, that when they, that sometimes you would take for granted, you know what I mean? So still, still to this day, like Thanksgiving, it's just not the same. I'm, I'm getting better. Thanksgiving is the one other holidays. It's like, eh, whatever. Thanksgiving was always the big one, but every, every year it's like, you know, I think it was last year. I'm like, you know what? I was telling my girlfriend because she was, she was even saying, she's like, your mom would want you to be happy. And I'm like, I know that, but it's just, it's so heavy for me. And then like last year, I was like, you know what? This is it. I'm done fucking being the miserable guy on Thanksgiving and that's it. And so from that point on, so this Thanksgiving was a little rough, but not that bad. And next one, that's it. Like I, I gotta, I gotta push that shit aside. You know, mm-hmm. I always remember, and I always be, you know, yeah. I always miss her, but it's time to get over that grieving part and maybe celebrate how she would want me to be. Good. You know, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. man. some, some, some things take time, you know, yes, they and, do. and especially something as big and some as literally life changing as that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Yeah. Good shit. So now, I had mentioned to you, just let's switch gears for a minute. I had mentioned to you what you've been watching lately because we always bullshit about this kind of stuff. And, uh, and uh, I had mentioned to you, and I don't know if you watched it yet, but did you wind up being able to catch JFK Revisited? I got to do it. I was looking at it last night, actually. I was. Yeah. That's the thing. Oliver Stone made it. That's the thing he made. Yeah. Yeah, I got to see it. All right. I'm not going to really get into it. I want to touch on it. There's just something else I would like to touch on with you, but it's called J if people don't know, it's called JFK revisited and it's called JFK revisited through the looking glass. Now you were saying we were talking back and forth saying, you know, how you were obsessed with that and the whole JFK assassination. And I was too. I I love all of that super interesting behind the scenes, secret shit. And I was big into that stuff and I watched it. I, I saw a couple of people posting it like, yo, watch this, watch this. And I'm, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, all right, another JFK conspiracy thing, whatever, Gracie Knoll, blah, 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 book depository. I watched this thing. It's almost three hours long. And I sat there with my mouth open for two and a half of those three hours. They unsealed a bunch of documents, right? The new oh, boy fucking did they. And, yeah. and it is super <laughs> heavy. I was just like, I was looking at my girlfriend and she was even like, how? Like, what the fuck? Like, it's so bad shit. And they don't, obviously, they don't come to an exact, this is exactly what happened because so many people are dead. This one's gone. Like, all these, like, a lot of people are gone. So there's still all, like, these little, you never know, but there is so much there. It's like, I left it, and you can't take my word for it, but I was looking at it. When, when I, when those credits were rolling, I looked at my girlfriend and I'm like, Oswald never got off a shot. Wow. Yeah. And, and I'm just like, and this, I mean, there's World War II veterans in the fucking car behind them. And they're like, there is no way there was shots coming from up there. These were combat veterans. There was no way bullets were coming from there. There was bullets coming from the front of us. There was so much shit. And I'm just like, the pristine bullet on the fucking, 
on the on the fucking stretcher next to fucking, but that's the magic bullet. And, yo, the fuckery surrounding all that is insane, dude. Yeah. Highly recommended. As early on in my career as a skeptic was that uh, was the the movie that JFK made and like going down that rabbit hole and yeah, yeah. I yeah. think it's an important thing to think about to toss around. That oh, I think it's super important more than and and I don't want to sound like the grumpy old you know the crudginess get off my lawn old man, but I think kids nowadays should really start looking into that kind of stuff and. Yeah. See, see our history of the shady underbelly of the government that we live under. You know, it's 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 some shady, fucked up shit. You know, and I'm gonna watch it. I am excited to see it. I literally was just looking at it last night and wishing that I had already done it. It's so, so good. It. Nah, it's it's so good. When, whenever you watch it, hit me up, bro. Let me know what you think. Yeah, we did. Ah, uh, because I'll watch it all over again in a heartbeat. It's, it was it was really super interesting, and there's I mean some stuff you know, but the vast majority and the way they put it in just interviews with people and certain footage and the whole double agent thing of 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 Oswald and how they knew all about him. And next thing you know, they're like, "Oh, who's this Patsy guy?" But they knew all they were watching him for years and. There was so much stuff. It's like, come on, man. It's so obvious that this is not who they say it is. I definitely but, believe that the American government had a reason to want to kill that man. That is not hard for me. Oh, dude. Well, not hard. You know, I can he, see the logic there that they wanted him gone. He was a threat to their agenda. To their, status quo oh 100% dude but when we were still just a security force basically in Vietnam he had shit written out to take our troops out before Gulf of Tonkin before they were like why are we there let's get all we had orders written like about to withdraw everybody he was going to cripple the CIA's budget he was going to do so much stuff and they were like this guy gotta go yeah. So they got rid of him because he was going to take down everything that they wanted to do to further their agenda and the money and military industrial complex and all this. There's so much that goes into it. It's super. It's fascinating to me. And just for that agency to be able to prove that there is no one that we can't get, that we are smarter than everyone on this planet and we will get the most powerful American like. Yeah. I'm sure that there was something to that. Them wanting to just send a message, even if it was only to themselves, that right. no one is safe from us if we want you erased. That's right. Nobody. And it makes sense to me. You know, a lot of these conspiracy theories, the 9-11 stuff, I try to think about that. I can't grasp it. I can't come to a, to a, a rational place in my mind where it makes sense to me that that was a setup. When I think of JFK, I am able to make that leap to be like, I can see why they would want him dead. I can see why they would set up Oswald the way they did and fucking snuff this guy out. Yeah. Oh, they, oh, they, I'm surprised. There's some reasons why I think that they would allow 9-11 to happen. Sure. I would like to hear about that. I would like, I'm, I'm so fascinated in that. So... Mm. What does your heart tell you? Does your heart tell you that that's a setup, that, 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 were, that those were not terrorist attacks? Or are you just really gray area? I'm not sure. You want no, to- uh, um, obviously, I don't know for sure. Um, 
you know, I don't know the exact facts. I don't know if anyone really knows the exact facts. That's what makes these things so interesting. I love it. I love this shit, dude. Um, What I think is I believe the government allowed it to happen. Um, I do believe that Building 7 came down as a controlled demolition. You do believe that? Building 7? Absolutely. And I've heard the, I've heard the theories. Oh, dude. There's a thing on YouTube. It's, it's like three minutes long. It, it's called, um, I think it's called What is an Orange is the name of the title. And it's like a guy goes, okay, this is an orange. And he's holding an orange. And he's like, this is called visual identification. If somebody told you that it was something else, you wouldn't believe it. And then he goes, this is a hotel. And this, and they go through like maybe eight different hotels or casinos. And they show you, it's very brief, how they comes down within their own footprint, blah, blah, blah. And, and how they, how the center will, will blow and then these will come down so that it goes, falls down to a neat pile. And they go through all of this stuff and then they go, okay. And they show you all this stuff. And then they go, this is World Trade Center Building 7. And then it comes down, you see the middle kink and you see all the windows in the middle blow out. And then it goes neatly, completely even into its own footprint. And it was supposed to be because there was a couple of fires down on the fifth floor, down in the left hand, like the, the, I think it was the east side corner of the building, which were pretty much out. And it's like, they're identical. So it's, it's just so much, and there's so many reports that were taken off the news and there's so much stuff with firemen and bombs and stuff going off underneath. And there's so much of that stuff. Some people take it a little bit insane and were like, those planes were holograms. That's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Um, You know, I don't really buy that. I mean, the first plane, the first tower that got hit, you see the outline of the plane and that direct hit. And then the second one, it hits kind of the corner and the huge, obviously the infamous big, huge fireball coming out of the building. That's all jet fuel. That's all jet fuel exploding outside of the building. So to say that, you know, three steel structured skyscrapers ever in the history of mankind all fell neatly into their footprint due to fire is a little bit crazy. Um, If you listen to the architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth, they make ridiculous valid points. Um, the Pentagon is a whole other completely different story. Um, it's just a lot of shadiness. No cameras are working that day on the biggest defense building on the planet. It's just, mm, at the same exact time as Operation Global Guardian going on, which is the exact same exercise that's really happening in real time to create confusion of, of airlines hitting skyscrapers in New York City on that day, but there's also an operation going on as an exercise. That's a little weird. Um, I understand the benefit from, from the mass loss of life from such a tragedy. How do we, I I don't, I don't think, of course, me and you being human beings and, and rationally thinking people are just people who have feelings. Um, 
normal, average, everyday people, um, we think right off the bat about the loss of life, um, which I get. But I don't think it means anything to these people that are behind the scenes because all it really did was usher in the Patriot Act and the surveillance state. The, the Patriot Act turned ordinary citizens into suspects since the Patriot Act. And then everyone's, oh, you could listen to my emails. You could listen. To my, I have nothing to hide. You could listen. You could listen. And you go back to the loss of life. All right. Well, it was declassified. The Gulf of Tonkin was a bunch of bullshit. That's 58,000 of my parents' generation got killed, and God knows how many Vietnamese people. So loss of life to, to these megalomaniacal, insane politicians really doesn't mean anything. Because at the end of the day, they really don't give a shit about me or you, dude. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I could be completely wrong. I could sound like a fucking maniac right now. But if I'm wrong, okay. You know? It's just my opinion. I don't... I, right, right, right. No, I asked for it. I asked for it. I like, I like these sort of exchanges. Yeah. I mean, I, there's, a, I, there's a lot, man. I mean, and there's a certain line that you cross where you get into, like, a little bit too much of a crazy thing, which that's where I draw the line. But... Just looking at the government's track record, I don't trust them, dude. You know what I mean? Operation Northwoods. That's another thing that Kennedy got fucking killed for. They wanted to take a passenger airline and blow it up over Cuba to justify a war. Kennedy was like, nah, not on my watch, homie. That shit ain't happening. He put the kibosh on that. Can't do that. You go back to that. I mean, that's back back then. You know, Gulf of Tonkin, Operation Paperclip, Operation Global Guardian. There's so much stuff that shady shit that the government does. Yeah. Why would 9-11 be the only one that's on the up and up? I don't know about that, you know? I'm very skeptical when it comes to the government. So Me too. I mean, I think it's important. I think it's healthy. It just says kids who came up through the punk rock channels. I think it's important. Sure. That one's hard for me. That one's difficult for me. Because I saw certain things with my own eyes. I know a plane went down in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Massive loss of life. Yeah. For me. Hard oh, for me. dude, that should happen. I mean, I, I remember exactly where I was when I got a phone call from an ex-girlfriend and my answer machine picked up. She's like, hey, Jimmy, this is so-and-so. Um, I'm not because she worked downtown. She had left my apartment and she left early and I was passed out. I was still drinking at the time. I was all hungover. And I hear the phone ring. I'm like, I'm not answering that shit. And I hear her voice on the answer machine. And she was like, I, I'm not going to work. A plane hit the World Trade Center. I jumped up out of bed. I picked up the phone. She came over with a couple of friends. And next thing you know, we're watching the second plane hit live on TV. It was such a beautiful day. All of my windows in my apartment at the time were all wide open. About a half hour later, it smelled like something was burning in my living room. It was right there. You know what I mean? I smelled it. There was paper, you know, little pieces of paper in my neighborhood in Brooklyn. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that shit hit fucking home, dude. You know, my, and one of my best friends, my friend Chris, he was, he, I haven't seen him in like 10 years, but we talk all the time, you know, got married, he has kids. But his yeah. first job, he's a captain now as a New York City firefighter. He's a captain. His first job ever was 9-11, dude. Talk about, talk about, Getting the rough one over with first. 
first day on the job, my God. He, he didn't even know what house he was stationed at. He was fresh out of the academy, out of the school, and he was kind of like in limbo. He didn't even get his assignment with what house he was going to be in. He called me up that morning. He's like, Jimbo, I'm like, what's up, dude? He's like, everyone got recalled. Everyone. So I'm going down there. It's like, dude, just fucking be careful, man. And then that's when both towers were still standing. They were both hit. And he and he, he I got off the phone and probably about a half hour later, both towers were down. So I knew that he had access down there on a rig and he had, you know what I mean? So I'm like, I hope that this kid is still around. You know what I mean? But obviously he is and he's fine. But that was his first day on the job, dude. So so that shit hit me. I was a little bit in shock. I was a little naive at the time, too. Well, but, had to be suffering from some sort of shock. Man. Oh, dude, it was surreal, bro. No. It was surreal. I'm sitting there with a couple of friends from like the night before. And my ex-girlfriend started crying. She's hey, just like, I'm just so you don't, feel safe. you don't feel safe suddenly. You don't know what's going to happen next. No, everything. Yeah, everything was so. It was it was the unknown because there was reports of how many planes are hijacked. And then they said, that, oh, a plane hit the Pentagon. And there's something else that they thought the Capitol building. I thought that they were going to start. I didn't know how many planes were hijacked. I thought they were going to start crashing into bridges, taking bridges out in New York. And you never know. So it was, it was fucking crazy, dude. And I remember the first time I broke down. I actually cried. I cried the night after. It was, it was the next night. And the changing of the guard in England, in London, they, they never broke tradition like ever. And like I said, I had a few drinks in me. I was still drinking at the time. And I was sitting there and I'm watching just coverage of all this stuff in the pile and by the, the caravan of bodies and trying to fucking rescue people. And they switched over into, into London and there was just thousands and thousands and thousands of everywhere, all with American flags. And instead of doing what they usually do, they all sang the national anthem, the American national anthem. And I was just like, that shit was so powerful, dude. I was like, and that's when I broke down. I'm like, this is fucking insane what's happening here. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a shame because there's so many kids nowadays, oh, 9-11, like they don't even realize, they, you know, dude, it's, you know, it's so long ago to some of these people, but it seems like five years ago to me, you know, that's my generation's Kennedy. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know? For sure. So super, um, it was super heavy. Yeah, that shit hit home. Imagine. I, and I think imagine. there's fuckery. I think there's some fuckery. Like, you know, it, it, they kind of know what they're doing. You know, they, they pull out the heartstrings. It's a tragedy and all this. Oh, we're going to go. We're going to get the people that took down these towers. And, and everyone's like, yeah, let's go get them and go fucking kill everybody and justifies a war and the never ending quote unquote war on terror. You know, and then you look at, you know, let's go blow up this place. And then who goes and rebuilds it? Halliburton. Who owns Halliburton? Oh, it could be Dick Cheney. You know, there's a whole bunch of follow the money and the fuckery. And it's it's a it's a very sordid, tangled web, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't gone too far down the rabbit hole. I'll be honest with you. Okay. I, I like to listen to people's opinions on it. I like to try to form my own sort of just like use my critical thinking skills. Yeah. But- 
I know there's a deep well you can go down. I know there's a lot of YouTube videos, like you were saying. Oh, yeah. Some of them are a little wacky. You know, there's a certain point. I can't. Yeah. There's a certain point. Like the people that, oh, those planes are holograms. Dude. Is that a real take some people had? Yeah. I'm like, come on, dude. It's not a fucking hologram. (laughs) You know what I mean? Relax yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Calm down. (laughs) Calm down. Yeah, man. So, yeah, JFK revisited through the looking glass. I watched it on Hulu, like Showtime through Hulu or some shit. Yeah, but sure it was yeah. on Showtime. I'll watch it. I'll grab it and watch it for sure. Yeah, I, you, you, it's it's super interesting. I think you'd dig it. Cool. Yeah, man. Cool, cool. Yeah. And now you said that you were um you were digging into back in the archives and you were digging into some early old thrash metal, dude. Listening to Exodus and shit. Yeah, Exodus. Yeah, I've got real psyched on Exodus a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you're like, I've been obsessed with bonded by blood. I'm like, that's yeah. fucking awesome. <laughs> I texted you and Zach to tell you guys. Yeah, I love all that shit, dude. They're weird. They're like a black spot for me. Like there's some bands in the 80s that I was really, really fucking with, and there were some that just like slipped through the cracks, like. Testament, I never really got down with. Exodus was one of them. Yeah. Didn't, didn't love Metallica and Anthrax so much. I knew of them. I knew their right. songs. But I was so purely into Slayer, into Celtic Frost, that I just didn't have time for fucking Metallica and their 20-minute songs. Right. So like Exodus, they just sort of, I didn't know where they fell. And yeah, just like recently, I fucking listened. I mean, my roommate told me, oh, you got to listen to Bonded by Blood. It's so great. Just- Paul Bailoff was a maniac, dude. That old school Bay Area thrash, but I love that shit, dude. I went on a uh, on the podcast. I went off on like a little bit of a tear. Like I had a couple of the guys from Violence on. I had fucking the guys from Forbidden, which is another underrated thrash band from the Bay Area. All those bands, dude. I love all that old shit. Yeah. So I grew up, bro. I grew up as a metalhead, and then I found hardcore by accident. Yeah. Like going to a suicidal show and Leeway opened. And then from there, it kind of, because there's such a crossover band like that Born to Expire record. So it was the perfect segue into, you know, Testament and violence and early Metallica to Leeway to Agnostic Front. Then right. to, you know, so it was the perfect like weird segue. And that's how I found you know, sick of it all. And then, yeah. And then it was Chromags, AF, Sickerville, they were not afraid to play with those bands. Like, I got turned on to Creator because of, like, Sickerville came up to Boston and played with them, you know? Yeah, dude. Yeah, they, they, the Sickerville did that, uh, what was it, the New Titans on the Block tour? It was like Sacred Reich, Sepultura, Sickerville. It was like this crazy lineup, dude. At that time in the 80s, if you were, when we were going to every show, you would just see some cool thrash bands because those bands were not, had no problem playing with them. You know, SOD obviously crossed over, you know, crossed that bridge completely. It was just yeah. like a bridge between those two worlds. And yeah, so there were a lot of bands that, that I knew of and had an opinion on, but Exodus was one that just sort of like slipped yeah. through the cracks. Yeah, I, mean, over, I used to love Overkill. I love that shit. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah. my band was Bathory. I had a secret love affair with the first. Bro, why should that ever be a secret? Bathory rules. <laughs> I just like, because no, because it wasn't like Slayer Metallica where all my friends had an opinion on it. It right. was like some weird Scandinavian band. It was kind of satanic. Yeah. It was really bad on that first record. It's terrible, but that's what makes it so good. 
No, that's what made me be able to fall in love with black metal after like they ushered me in being prepared for the sort of like crazy sounds. Yeah. Everything fucking pinned up in the red, everything distorted. Yeah. Crazy. Love that stuff, bro. Bro, that, that the first battery record and then the blood fire death battery record is my shit. That's so like they start with the Viking shit, right? See, I don't follow them that far when it turns uh, I'm not sure what album number that is. But that was that the song "The Golden Walls of Heaven" is fucking. It's ridiculous. The Golden Walls of Heaven. It's so crazy and just all over the place and turned. Everything is just turned up. It's nuts, bro. Quarthon, what a maniac! And they never, bro. They never play live. They never played live. How sick is that? They never got in a van and toured fucking. Wherever the fuck they're from, yeah, just go to the studio and just put out music. I know. And then when he wanted to change into something else, he changed into something else. When he wanted the sound to change and to mature, he just did it. Yeah, he did exactly what he wanted to do with his musical career. Really easy guy to respect. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I love all that stuff, dude. Yeah, that shit Big was seminal. It was so important to me as a kid that a lot of the metal stuff I just rolled my eyes at because it wasn't dark enough. You know, it like wasn't. Celtic Frost, right? Fucking Bathory. Yeah, I just always loved Slayer. You know those early Slayer records. Of course, how could you not? They just crushed everything else. Where I didn't pay a lot of attention to a lot of the other bands. Yeah, even like early, the early Creator stuff, crazy German thrash metal. They're fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, man, so fucking cool. Yeah, I'm not sure which of the New York bands came up and played in Boston with Creator, but that was why I was able to see them because at that time. Mid to late 80s, those, ba- you know, those bands were playing together. Chromax went and did a whole tour with Motorhead. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's well documented. Sure. It was like, like a the- crazy thing. It like legitimized our music a little bit. Absolutely. I was at um, the first the first show when we were talking about this, about these mixed bills and stuff. The first thing that popped in my head, I was at the, the old Ritz when S.O.D. had their reunion show and they recorded live at Budokan. You know, the... The one yeah. where Billy Milano jumps off the fucking model. I was there. That lineup, it was Morbid Angel, Agnostic Front, SOD. What the fuck is that all about? That's crazy. I don't see that much anymore. It's oh, never. It was wall to wall, shoulder to shoulder. Pad. And you know what's crazy? I compare it. No joke. It's, it's funny. I'm talking to you. It was like your final show. And that SOD reunion show were like just as jam packed. Like, I think I was like, I like walking out of that final Bane show. I'm like, I don't remember the last show that I was at that was that packed. And then the only thing that popped in my head was the SOD show. Dude, at your show, at your final show, I was towards the back, like right by the first couple of steps in the back. And you guys were about to come on. And I'm like, there's no way I'm getting anywhere near the stage by saying excuse me to people at all. (laughs) This is not happening. So as soon as you guys came on, it was like me and like probably about a dozen people that just in my sight just hopped up on top and just started climbing people from the back to get to the front just to make fucking headway to get. Oh, man. Yeah. Climbing on, like, from behind. People had no idea that there's people climbing behind them to get towards the front. I was one of those idiots. Fun shit, man. 
That was fun. It was a good day. So much fun. Yeah, dude. Damn, the crowd at that SOD show must have been just so cool. It just had to be everything. Metal. Oh, dude. It was just... Just the whole crowd just moving with each other because it was so packed. It was just the whole place, especially for SOD, was just the whole place was just a mosh pit. There was no circle pit. It was just everybody was just going off. And I'll never forget it. When they first came on, you know, they opened up a march of the SOD and everyone's going. There's a really gritty video of it on YouTube of that whole thing. And all of a sudden, like, I'm not paying attention, really. And then I hear Billy Milano start, you know, singing. And I'm looking, I'm like, where is he? Like, I don't even see where he is. And then I look up. And this fucking maniac is up on the stacks with a skull mask and a cigar in his mouth singing through the skull mask. I'm like, this is insane, but how awesome is this? And then I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, it's all so quickly. I'm thinking, how is he going to get down? And as I'm thinking that, his big fat ass jumps and flips off into the crowd. I'm like, I just saw something that's going to be fucking for the record books forever. And it is like that jump off the stack and he flips. He doesn't just jump. He flips off of it. Talk about it. Yeah. People still talk. And then once he hits and then he did like two seconds later, you still see, you still hear him singing. Like after he hits everyone and he goes down two seconds later, he's continuing the song in cue. It's like, what the fuck is happening right now? So good. So good, dude. Cool. I didn't know you were there. That's sick. Yeah, I was there. I was there. I've, I've, there was, there's a few shows I wish I would have been to. You see online, oh, you those posts of fun. Oh, I was there. I was there. So many people. There's a few shows I wish that I would have went to. Like these legendary shows that I hear about. Like there was one at Lemoore's that I wasn't there. It was, uh, it was called Negative Night. And there was a band called Toxemia. And then it was Biohazard and Carnivore. And it was early on. And I heard all kinds of stuff about that show and I wasn't there, but that's a legendary show. I was at the last thrash bash at Lemoore's, which was unbelievable. It was like white zombie leeway. The night that typo negative became typo negative. Um, Chrome Edge reunion biohazard. It was, yeah, there was, the, the, it was like May 3rd, 1991 at Lemoore's, the last thrash bash at Lemoore's. Sick. Yeah, it was fucking sick, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That was the night they became typo, huh? Like yeah, that? there's up, yeah. Peter Steele, he's up on stage and he says, uh, we're we're no longer gonna see carnivore. The people there thinking they're gonna see carnivore. That's the deal. No, they came out, they were they were they were called repulsion still. And he because because it was it was after carnivore before typo. That's right. Um, yeah, so he was like, yeah, we're, we're, we're no longer called Repulsion. Uh, and Pete Steele being like a wise-ass that he always was, he says something, uh, we're not Repulsion anymore, we're typo negative, and I don't know, we'll see. That seems like like the, the name of the week. Something like that, he said. <laughs> <laughs> and then he became typo negative. Yeah. My God. Yeah, so I was there that night. It was cool. Yeah, yeah there was a... It was, it was, uh, the scene back then, I don't know. I mean, of course, there's still great shows now, but I think it's, I'm locked into that also, like that nostalgia time and place. I was so much younger. Bands were like in their fucking, you know, at their prime. And 
you know, leeway comes out and they had just dropped like desperate measures. So they were like right on top of their game. And fuck, I still love that band. All four of their records I love. But uh, I went through a big open mouth kiss phase last year. Listen to that a ton, man. Dude, Hornet's Nest, fucking Compromise. Bro, so, compromise. So, compromise is so fucking good. It's so, it's so simple, but it sounds like that. Right? They're so, that song is so fucking good. And it's, it's, it's so simple. It's so simple, but it just, it works. It's so good. It kills the vocals on it. He sounds so good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. One of my favorites, Lee, Leeway was, Leeway was a huge turning point for me, dude. That's why I've said it a million times. It was the show that I went to. It was, it was White Zombie right, right before they got signed to Geffen, before they got huge. And it was, it was White Zombie, Leeway, Suicidal Tendencies on the Lights, Camera, Revolution tour. I went to see Suicidal. Leeway came on and blew me the fuck away, dude. Mm-hmm. And it was right from there. I went to the store and I bought Born to Expire. And the guy who sold me that, he was like, well, if you like this. And he handed me Agnostic Front, Liberty and Justice for. You hadn't heard any Agnostic Front before that. He turned you on to AF. He did. He was like, if you like this, I've heard of them. But I didn't hear them because there was no videos of them or anything like that. There was no internet. Yeah, you figured it out how you figured it out back then. I love hearing the stories of how people were let into the world. Yeah. That got passed around. That's cool. He said, if you fuck with this, you're going to want to hear it. And you're going to like this because he knew that I was a metalhead. This guy, Ciro, who had a little small place in Brooklyn called Ciro's CD Cellar. And I used to spend my allowance in there and... Also, so he knew I was a metalhead. So I was like, yo, you have the leeway tape. He's like, yeah. he's like, well, if you like this, and you'll probably like this, hand to be liberty and justice for it. And then from there, I went in reverse. Then I went cause for alarm, and then I went victim in pain, and then I went live at CBGBs, and then it was all sick of it all and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Floodgates had opened. Floodgates were open, 100%. And that first biohazard record, Jesus Christ, man. That record to me still is just timeless. That first while as a record, ridiculous. Timeless. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. good. I seen that bit. I think it was, I think Biohazard and Life of Agony are the two bands that I've seen the most in my life. They would play, there's times I would see both bands in one time in Brooklyn and then in, in Manhattan. Like Biohazard would be playing in Manhattan. And then as soon as Biohazard set was over, I'd rush back to Lamont to catch Life of Agony. Same night. Like they were, they were every weekend. One of those bands were playing somewhere within the five boroughs, and I was there all the fucking time, all the time. So good, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool city to grow up in if you were into metal and hardcore, man. Oh, for sure, especially that time frame. I mean, CBs was still, you know, obviously the Continental. You had Lemoors and. It was it was constant. There was all the little weird. So the marquee was a good spot in the city. The Ritz you had, which was obviously the bigger venue. But there's the, the there was a club, the Marquee, which I've seen so many great shows from Biohazard to Old Mucky Pup to Burn, Burn back in like 1991, 92. It was like it was like a local band, whatever, and then it would be like Mucky Pup, Biohazard, Leeway, Burn. Like on the same night, this little yeah, crazy, just these legendary like lineups. Nowadays, you look back, it's like I was at those shits, man. It was fucking awesome. Yeah, just hurting myself, just fucking beating <laughs> my beating 
beating the shit out of myself, waking up the next morning all fucked up. But, oh, tonight fucking Leeway's playing Lamar's. I got to go. You know, Doggy Dog is playing with Mucky Pup and fucking Biohazard. I got to go. So good. So many choices, man. So many choices. That's cool. That was never a problem I had. I never had to make a choice. I never had to be... That's insane that you lived in a city where you could go to three different venues in the same night. And yeah, that. depending on. Oh, yeah, I would, I would, I would, I would like. All right, well, uh, you know, yeah, I would have to make a choice. Like, all right, Biohazard is headlining in Brooklyn, but Life of Agony is going on second in the city, so I could probably catch Life of Agony in like half of Sub Zero's set, and then jump back on the fucking D train. And then head back into the, grab the R train into Bay Ridge to run to Lemoore's to hopefully, if the trains are running right, catch biohazard going on. Oh. You see that shit all the time, man. Yeah. Hectic. Drinking 40 ounces like idiots. <laughs> I love it. Damn, fucking fun, dude. Good times. <laughs> you already do the interviews with Ray and Porcel or those, or, or those coming up? Um, Porcel got released and Ray wound up going back to India or something like that. Well, you didn't get to talk to him yet. I didn't get a chance to talk to him. But Porcel's is up. and me, I had like a two-hour conversation with Porcel, man. Super cool, humble guy, man. We were going back into, you know, songs and, and, and certain lyrics. And like Youth of Today is like one of my favorite bands as well. And, you know, certain songs, like, it's just literally, like, that you you grab onto certain lyrics as, like, at a certain time in your life, and you will literally, it'll guide your life in so many ways. And if you, if you take this, and we even say, like, a lot of people that might, might be listening will never get it. They'll never get, like, if they're not into hardcore and punk, like, the way we are, they'll never actually... Like listening to like to the radio or whatever, they'll never get that song that speaks to them at a specific moment in time, and it sticks with them, and 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 you keep that for like the rest of your life. Like mm-hmm. it's super rare, and we're privileged to have that. You know what I mean? Like there's certain times in my life, and you know, like I, I think I was saying it with with Porcel, it's like it, there's there's certain times where you'll put a song on something will be going through and you'll almost feel like whoever, what, like that song was written specifically for you in that moment. You know what I mean? And, and like, there was one example and I was going through my crazy divorce with my ex-wife. Thank God we're cool. And we're friends now and everything is cool, but it was a crazy time. And she had put a bullshit because it got thrown out of court, which was amazing. She, she put like this bullshit, like restraining order against me. I'm like, what? This is such nonsense. And we went to court and then even the judge was like, you, this is nonsense. So they threw it out of court. No, no, I wasn't a threat. I was never a violent person. None of that. So I get into my car and I throw my iPod on. I just put it on shuffle. And it just so happens that Madball, the song Look My Way came on. And I had walked out of that courtroom like, and she was like defeated. And I walked out of it because she put her head down. She was like, oh, she felt stupid. And I put that song on and he says, look my way, don't don't hide your face in shame. And like this whole thing. And I was like, this is so perfect for this exact moment. So it became right from there one of my favorite Manball songs because it stuck with me at a a specific time. 
you know? So a lot of people don't get that if they listen to like regular radio pop stuff or who aren't like into music. I don't understand people who, it's like, oh, what kind of music is there? Ah, whatever. It's like, what? It's like, really? Like, if they, I don't know what the hell I'd be doing if there was no music, dude. Hear you. You know? I hear you. I'm just going I'm off. I, I mean, I stay very excited about new bands. Yeah. And like, I just can't imagine, you know, that's part of the reason why I don't go down these other sort of rabbit holes because I'm so obsessed with music and with movies and with books that like, I don't have enough time in my life to be trying to figure out exactly what happened on 9-11. And I can't. Right. <laughs> right. Because music is it for me. I still get giddy when I find new bands, when I find shit I've never heard before, hear old bands that like, like Exodus, you know, I was so excited to text Zach and tell him like, yeah, dude. Love this record. This shit is hard as nails. I did. It's hard, bro. Yeah, I was telling you if you if you haven't checked it out, like violence, violence. They, a lot of people swear like you want like fast thrash crazy is their first record, Eternal Nightmare. But yeah. this second album, Oppressing the Masses, Phil Demo riffs fucking riffs all over that fucking album dude i listened to that record and i fucking still go nuts that shit came out in like 1989 that shit is ridiculous bro yeah whiplash record that first whiplash album you must have been all around them man fuck yeah dude yeah and then dank the bass player dank was playing with fucking leeway for a while oh okay yeah, yeah, I'm crazy. Yeah, yeah man. I love I grew up on all that shit, man. All that thrash stuff. Old mega death and all that crazy shit. <laughs> bro, Testament was awesome, bro. Listen to that first record, the legacy, and then the new order, even the practice what you preach record. So fucking good. Yeah, getting into a getting into a band with Zach forced me to like become a fan or at least to become knowledgeable of most of that stuff. Yeah. I know Zach is a metalhead. I know he's a huge Pantera guy. Yeah. I didn't even know from Pantera. I mean, I knew who they were, but I couldn't tell you one song until I got into Bane and they were like, what, what are you talking about? You don't love Pantera. And through the years of touring and being in the van, I've now become a fan and know the difference between their records and know their oh, whole deal. Of course. That same thing with, with Testament for sure. Yeah. And Megadeth, who like, I don't really care for Megadeth, but I know Megadeth now when I hear him. When, you know, there was oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, and that early, they, they have like, I don't even know, 18 records or something at this point. I don't know. It's like, I'm all about like the first three and a half records and then I'm out, you know? Yeah. 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 Loves that shit. That's, that's his youth right there. Those are his youth of today's. Yeah. Sure. Of course. Well, me too. I mean, yeah, this this is so much, man. It's I get excited too, and then I actually like I I haven't listened to like Violence just put out a brand new EP. Like, nice. bro, the singer Sean. I have to give Sean Killian the singer fucking major major props. He had stage four liver cancer. Ooh. Had transplants this that the other thing he's cancer free and touring and put out a new violence record it's like how crazy dude 
talking about getting some perspective on what really matters in life. Yeah, dude. Appreciates it every fucking time. Every day. Yeah. The new album is called uh, Let the World Burn. Hell yeah. (laughs) It's fucking so, it's metal, bro. It's Bay Area thrash that sounds like it's from 1992 in 2022. It's so good. Good for those guys. That's yeah, great. man. Hundred percent. Now I am looking forward to a fucking announcement from Bane. Well, don't go getting too excited now. I won't hold my breath or anything. Well, well I won't get. Too, I won't, I'll, I'll just keep it on the back burner in my head. I won't. I won't get too excited, but I will uh, casually anticipate it. There is no discussion going on. Everyone is far flung. Zach's out there on tour with. Corn and Code Orange. James has got his record store. They're killing it. Dollbacks in Be Well. They're doing really, really well for yeah. themselves. Good. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Good. We'll see. You know, we got we got a little taste of it over the summer. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. That's good. You got to eat that meal. You got to get the big plate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, listen, man. Like I said earlier, um, I didn't even plan it to be this way, but you just so happened to be the final episode of this podcast, which is so weird for me to say. It's very weird for me to say, but you know, and like I, like I touched on earlier, it's not like I don't love doing this. I do, but I just want to change courses and I'm not going anywhere. You know what I mean? You know, everybody that listens to this, they can come and listen to the other one. You know, I'm not going to really be on Facebook. I will be on the Instagram and stuff like that. As a matter of fact, I got to follow you from the new, the new stuff um, okay. on Instagram. But um, yeah. So if anyone's listening, the only thing that I ask is if you can go on Instagram and it's, and the, the, the new podcast is at Delta Bravo mission statements. And that's going to be the podcast. And I'm doing a bunch of behind the scenes stuff right now. Um, I'm waiting on a couple of things, but I'm going to say within the next. Before I'm going to say within the next two to three weeks, somebody, you know, we're going to drop something. And uh, it'll be the beginning of something very cool and fun and a little bit different. But like I said, you know, I, I, I'm not going to not have you know, somebody like yourself or, you know, it's going to be a lot of the guys that do what we do and stuff. But then, you know, there's also a lot of six degrees of separation with stuff. You know what I mean? I mean, Danny boys in house of pain, Danny boy has knows a whole bunch of people. And then, and then there's other people like that do this stuff that are friends with hardcore bands and stuff like that. So there's always that six degrees of separation. If somebody knows something about something that will absolutely fit into the podcast. And nothing is going to be set in stone. It's not going to be like, oh, this is, you have to go and do the exact film locations to be on. Absolutely not. It's going to be, uh, it'll be fun, just a little bit different. And uh, it'll be fun just to just do something new, you know? Change is good, man. Change is good. Yeah, 100%, man. And, um, you know, everybody, I mean, there's there's between bonus episodes and mini episodes and regular episodes and all the isolation sessions when 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 COVID first hit, there's like 310 episodes total that are there. Everybody from graffiti writers to tattoo artists to the hardcore kids to metal dudes to horror people. There's so many different people. 
uh, that you know, somebody's bound to, it's just something for somebody, you know? And uh, yeah, so what, everybody- what's the one you wish you could have had that you didn't get to have? What's the one like grail you never got to reach? The one. Oh, well, I'm going to go, I, I mean, I'm going to go balls out right to the top. Yeah, I mean, the way. Who's the one guy that you wish would have said, yeah, I'll do it. You ready for this one? Give it to me. Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's so awesome. It's fucking Rocky Balboa, bro. It's John Rambo. Kidding me? <laughs> fucking kidding me? I would just fucking harass him with the dumbest questions about first blood. That would have been a fucking hell of an episode. That is so I don't even, bro, I, would, I don't even know what I would say to the guy. I'm sitting here, I'd be stuttering the whole time. I wouldn't yeah. even know. <laughs> Yeah, Sylvester Stallone, Mike Tyson. Sure. Um, yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah, he's a Brooklyn guy. Brooklyn guy. I, I right, grew up right. watching that guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think. I think if if I had Sylvester Stallone on, I would just shut the whole fucking thing down right after that. I'm. I'm good. I'm good. Mike drop. I'm good. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. You did real good with what you did, man. I appreciate that, man. It was fun. I've had fun doing this. And like I said, I've spoken to people and, and became friends with people that I never thought I would ever even have a conversation with. And um, I never did it for an agenda. I never did it for money or to be, oh, he does. I did it because I like to have conversations like this. I never asked questions. You know that. I shoot the shit. Like if me and you were in a diner, having a cup of coffee or something. Same. Yeah. You know, same. It's very shit. clear. It's very clear that you just truly do love it, that it, you never got jaded. It never felt like, no. Oh, this is another one. Every time you have an excitement to you to be speaking with the people that you're speaking with. And I, yeah. I think that's cool, man. That yeah. you like found that you found a thing that really makes you happy to do. And I'm glad that you're not going to stop completely that you're going to just. No, I, I, don't, I don't think I can stop completely. No, you don't need to. No, because I like to be creative and I like to be creative and, and I like to make my, my flyers and there's all there's other things besides the actual conversation, you know? So, I mean, will the new podcast be weekly? Probably not, maybe bi-weekly, but that's fine. Whatever, whatever we decide, whatever I decide that I want to do, it will be consistent that way, you know? Um, I do want to get off my phone a little bit more. I do want to live in the real world a little bit more. Um, and that's my choice. And that's what I want to do and work on, you know, being a father and work on my relationship and, and, and just living life, dude. You know what I mean? Sounds very healthy. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And then not be, okay, I have to get this out weekly, weekly, weekly. I don't want to do that. I just, I have a, I have a hectic job. I like to have fun. And like you said, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. It's just, just going here. That's all. Cool. You know, I'm not going to cool. be gone, but uh, yeah, man, I thought this was awesome. Um, and like I said, it wasn't meant this way, but like I said, it's kind of poetic uh, the way Bane went out and being speaking with you. Cause I knew I would have a, a long conversation with you um, and to actually be able to, end this podcast with final backward glance i think is super fitting and uh i appreciate you allowing me to do that absolutely it's an honor i'm glad i'm glad that you feel connected with that song 
to use it as your sort of like yeah and credit song man yeah man i mean the i mean the last thing you say in that song is goodbye right so yeah, that was very intentional <laughs> i know i know oh i know i know who's very intentional and um i'm i'm, I'm happy that that uh, we became friends doing this and that you took your time to, to have several conversations with me, not just on that, but even the time to go back and forth on Facebook and whatnot. And, yeah, you know, we'll continue to do that for sure. A hundred percent, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, tell you, I, I sent you my phone number. If you want to send me a text, I won't give your phone number to nobody. I promise. <laughs> yeah, I would have thought you already had it, man. You should have it. You should definitely. Have no, it. I never. No, I never had your number. But yeah, just shoot me your number, and um, yeah, and 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 I am. Uh, I definitely want to make my way up to the Boston area and stuff like that. So once I do that, I'll I'll hit you up, and maybe we could stop and go grab a bite to eat or something like that. Shoot the shit, not record anything. Just have a conversation and just go break bread one day. Would love it. Take you take you to my favorite pizza spot. Let's Pinocchio. go. Yeah. What is it? It's called Pinocchio's. Pinocchio's. Slices. Yeah. All right. I'm in. I'm 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 fucking in. Yeah. We'll get Zach to come hang. It'll be great. Bobby will come out. Absolutely. Awesome. Go have lunch with the Bane guys. It'll be awesome. It'll be a lot of fun. We're here. Awesome. We love we fucking love a reason to get together and eat food with friends. It's like our favorite thing. All right. Pinocchio's soon. When we romanticize about being back in the van and on the road sometimes. That's what we talk about. That you know, we don't talk about all the like show and all that bullshit. We right. talk about the places we want to go and eat. And the there you go. staying up late in hotels watching Law and Order with a bunch of fucking convenience store <laughs> snacks. <laughs> there you go. Seriously. Awesome. Well, dude, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me on again. Absolutely. And we'll do it again, but just on a, on a different pot, on, on a podcast with a different name. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, dude. Well, thank you, everybody, for five years plus of the support, listening, buying T-shirts, the Patreon, all of that stuff. And, and, and regardless of all that, actually listening to my knucklehead Brooklyn accent for over 300 episodes rambling on about everything and nothing. Nah, things that you love, things that mean the world to you. True. Very true. Share that with us. I think that's something to be congratulated. Honestly, good job to you. Much appreciated, my man. All right. And uh, we'll be in touch. Text me your phone number. We'll We'll set up Pinocchio's. Yeah. Anyone out there watching that wants to get in touch with me, I'm easy to find. I'm all over Facebook. I have an Instagram. If you ever want to holler at me, have a conversation about anything, I'm yep. very easy to find, and I try to respond to everybody. So, Yep, and I will attest to that. He does. Absolutely. Yeah, maybe not the same day, but I get to it. I promise. Hey, listen, it's good. It's a good – because I know that sometimes you're not going to get right back to me. You know why? Because you have a life other than your phone. It's yeah, completely yeah. respectable. For sure. And really try to limit my interaction with all those all the all those voices out there. But I, don't I do like still feel an obligation that there may be kids who have something to say about the band or have a question or even have an issue with me. I want them to have an avenue to be able to reach me easily. So I keep right. all that stuff up. There's some days where I'm like, I gotta get, I gotta dump all this. I fucking cannot listen to this noise anymore. Yeah. I'm getting I'm unplugging. 
And then I just think, you know, I think of the messages that I still do get about the documentary or about a certain song or about something I shared on stage. And I want, I, I want them to have that access, you know, so yeah. keep all that shit open and I'm easy to find. Yeah. And with that, listen to one, episode 174 if you would like to see and listen to Stu. Dedicated to Stu. Hell yeah. Bedard, my brother, thank you yeah. so much for your time again. Congratulations to you again. Seriously. I'm honored to have been able to be a part of your final fucking Brooklyn Black, Black, Brooklyn Black <laughs> I don't know why I can't say it. It's all right. Dude, have a great night and we'll be in touch. All right, homie. Talk to you soon. Respect. I'm like, I'm here. But I'll leave. See you later. Peace. Later, brother.